0: Welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. Well, a very warm welcome to the next episode of Property Portfolio Podcast. And today we're going to be talking commercial conversions and SaaS pensions and all that interaction. Something very close to our heart, Nigel. We love both of those subjects, more, don't we? <laughs> With a passion. I mean, it's just made such a, a huge difference. Um, and we've seen, we've seen the sparkle in people's eyes, haven't they? When, when they connect those two together and see that power. Just incredible absolutely and you know but by, by the various
1: mechanisms you know that are obviously allowed for within the HMRC guidelines you know the the power of loan backs and, and all these sorts of things and we we bought commercial property straight into our pension couldn't we and you know we've worked on it within within the pension as well and you know got the, the ultimate outcome in mm-hmm. our, our case it was to get planning but we kind of made a decision at that point didn't we, of, of kind of what to do with that asset, um, you know, at that point. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's the, there's two options, really, isn't it? Just keep it in there, um, you know, continue to develop into what, whatever the uh, the final outcome is or, or to move it out, you know, to move it out into another vehicle and then you kind of just move away. In our case, it was, you know, converted into residential. So we didn't want our pension, our suspension to go anywhere near that. Uh, that residential subject, so we just decided yeah. to move it up to that point.
0: Yeah, keeping absolutely compliant. So the subject of commercial conversions. So many will immediately jump to uh, to, to maybe maybe the book commercial to residential conversions, and and yes, that is one uh, one aspect of commercial conversions. But I, I remember quite vividly, Nigel, um, when we went in for planning to convert the uppers um uh, in colchester um i mean you you'd had those conversations with the planners and they suggested that not only we do change of use for the uppers but we might also do a change of use downstairs and add new planning categories which was fantastic wasn't it? it was it was and you know when
1: i went into that meeting with the the planning consultant that that wasn't a question i had in my mind at the time But they they offered that up and and what it was associated with the existing use class of the the commercial properties as was um you know within the precinct there. And um they're all a one use class, so kind of a retail use class. And they said, well, look, if you if you're gonna go for planning for you know converting the upper parts to residential at the same time on the same application, you know, covered within the same fees, why don't you? you know, look to expand the use classes of the commercial units as well. And it was like a bit of a, a dawning. And, you know, th- this gentleman went on to say that, you know, within the particular location that there was a, a real lack of, uh, at the time D1, D1 use class, you know, which is um, kind of doctors, dentists, you know, physiotherapy, that sort of uh, entity. And, um, and, you know, when one of those pops up in the town, this was quote-unquote, they're kind of queuing down the street. So we thought, blimey, well, let's let's get that on the list as well. And indeed we did. And it didn't cost us, apart from a strike of the pen, it didn't cost us anything at all. But what it did, it opened up those commercial units to as many parties as we possibly could open up to. And it was just just great. I mean, I mean where we are today, we've actually got the council, the council of... <laughs> Taken all the units, haven't they, Mark? Apart from two at the front, but um, you know, which is a great result. But um, yeah, it just shows you, doesn't it? it? Just kind of, kind of broaden your your thinking and really, really lean on the professionals, and just it ask happens. them: Is there
0: anything we're missing? You know? no, that's just so super crucial that you start with the end in mind and just make things as simple and as wide open as possible. Yeah. with long range horizons um another example of that was how we structured to make sure that we we eliminated a flying freehold so that we could always have the availability of very standard simple vanilla widely available funding for the rest of the assets life to be honest absolutely absolutely and it you know again just just kind
1: of going into that subject of, of the logic, you know, as pe- people see the logic, okay, so we've got commercial on the ground floor, we've got residential on the, the upper part. So, you know, let's, let's separate it. And you would naturally think of separating it horizontally, as you say, but with the end in mind, mark, you know, that's, that's super critical and super crucial that you just do that analysis. And we'd, we're doing a similar analysis on another development at the moment around timber frame properties versus metal frame, aren't we? You've got to understand your exit, you've got to understand the people and the parties that are part of that exit and make sure that you've got multiple ticks in the box, you know, around whatever decision you're making right at the front end, that you can actually exit. And, th- and this, was, this was a similar conversation. So I went to the uh, uh, commercial broker and said, look, this is what we're looking to do. You know, We, we just want to refinance, if you like, the, the lower parts. And yeah, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. And then I went to the residential uh, commercial broker and I said, look, this is what we're looking to do, the upper parts, You know, when they're finished, we want to... And I didn't really get to the end of the sentence, to be honest. It just went, No. <laughs> <laughs> he went no, because what you're doing, Nigel, you're creating flying freeholds. And although it can be mortgaged, don't get me wrong, it's, you know, there's always a way to get these things over the line. But um, it was going to be problematic. And, and this particular party quoted the last flying freehold residential property that he he put a mortgage on. You know, it took about nine to twelve months to get sorted out. So you know, so we we, we kind of went back to the drawing board. Um, and just have a a real good rethink about that, you know, bringing those parties in as well. You know, I I wasn't going to just push the commercial broker to the side, you know, because we're working with a residential broker. We, we brought them all in and said, right, this is the next plan. Is everybody happy? Yes, everybody's happy. So it's, you know, for the sake of that turnaround within probably what was a week, you know, that saved us a lot of heartache, you know, right at the end of the process. So uh, yeah, you just got to think that there's, there's no true words have just been said about, you know, start with the end in mind. Yeah.
0: yeah, saves an absolute fortune. And, uh, and and that's the case for the subject of commercial to residential conversions. When you're acquiring a commercial property and you're looking at using your SaaS. And we've, we've said before, a SaaS is an incredibly powerful tool. But sometimes I think SaaS trustees can be guilty of, you know, if you've got a hammer in your hand, everything looks like a nail. Just because you've got a SaaS doesn't mean you should necessarily buy the commercial property into your SaaS. A SaaS is a very elegant way of funding projects, of enabling projects, of acquiring assets, and sometimes a SaaS isn't relevant for that particular development. You know, the three S's: structure, structure, structure. And we're going through that, um, well, in fact, uh, it's currently, uh, today is the last day of our 13-week programme. And, and we've just continually um, driven this through with our mentees on that 13-week programme. Structure, structure, structure. Um, you know, What is your end outcome? What are you looking to achieve? Tax efficiency, compliance at every stage. We're not taking risks here, Nigel, are we? At any stage here, everything has to be buttoned down. We have an exquisite audit file at every stage. Our loan back file, uh, our audit file to support our loan back was 34 pages long. Now, it didn't take a huge amount of time. It collated information that was readily available, but it created a business case. It took us, what, an hour, Nigel, to pull that together. And it's there on record. And we created a wonderful loan back that will serve us. You know, and we refer to it as, as in effect, it's a 12-month bridge facility. Fantastic recurring facility um, for us, but having that audit and compliance. So when you get a commercial, uh, let's, let's talk about commercial to residential for, for a few moments. Um, there are a number of ways that you could integrate that with a SaaS and utilise a SaaS with commercial to residential. Now, before people jump on the uh, jump on the chat box and say, "But you can't hold residential property in a SaaS," you're absolutely right. Ninety-nine percent of all residential property, you cannot hold it in your SaaS. Well, technically, you can, but you'll get a very significant tax charge, so it'll be ill-advised. Um, so. What that means is there are a number of ways of structuring. So with a commercial to residential, you could acquire the the commercial property in the SAS. You could use SAS funds to go through the planning stages. It could have a commercial yield to it. You could operate that that, uh, property with a commercial yield on it for many years, work on it with planning to get conversion to get a planning approval, to convert to residential. And in, in years, years in the future, you could then do the conversion. You could do that. You could take the commercial property. You could buy it into your SAS. Technically, you could then use SaaS funds to fund the development, the construction. But here's the thing. When you're doing a commercial to residential conversion, the point at which a construction site ceases to be commercial and becomes residential is when you have something called a certificate of habitation. Now we've Roger, we've never actually seen a certificate of habitation, do we? And the reason why is it doesn't exist. What it is, it's the amalgamation, think audit file, It's the amalgamation of a number of uh, of robust items that you must have. Let's, let's just have a think on what a few of those might be. Building control sign-off needs kitchens, bathrooms. You needs gas, water, electric. or certainly water and electric. So it needs to be, think, mortgage, mortgageable. Think how a bank looks at this. Um, has it got structural warranty in place? Have all the planning conditions been? So once all these are together, that's when it technically becomes habitable. So you would need to have sold this development out of your SAS well before the certificate of habitation is granted. Um, and at that stage, the development is a construction site, technically, because it's not being handed over. So think really carefully about what you're trying to achieve here. It might seem great to get your SaaS to buy the building and use SaaS funds as cheap finance to do the construction, but what entity outside of your SaaS is going to buy a half-finished site? And that's the point, and that's why we don't do that, Nigel, isn't it? You Absolutely. know, We feel it's a whole lot safer. Start with the end in mind, You know, accessing great development finance, um, set up an SPV and do the development outside in a limited company and of course, you could, uh, there is an alternative to development finance, and that's the Royal Bank of you, the Royal Bank of SAS. You could you could fund it with a loan back. So it's about being tenacious, and that's something that has uh, proven a great investment for us over the years, Nigel. It, it certainly has. It certainly has. And uh, just been quite
1: open-minded about that as well, and um, you know, you're right. That 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 point, yeah. You know, we we tend to we tend to go through um, a transaction similar to how you described. But at the point of getting planning, we would just ex- exit it straight out to the SVB. Um, be, be it you know true value or a planning gain or whatever it is. You know that's that's case by case. Um, but uh, just pop it outside as you say, Mark, and then it just becomes a very conventional type approach to funding, doesn't it? Um, you know, you can bring the bank finance in there, um, with a combination of private capital to get the development, um, pushed on, or, you know, as you say, you could do a loan back, um, you know, and bring additional private capital in there, maybe on a second charge or, you know, use your, um, the first charge of the, uh, the asset uh, for your security, for your pension, um, those sort of things. So lots of different things you can do for sure. Um, but it, it is very much being open-minded and understanding,
0: you know, what the what the end game is
1: and um, just following that that through.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think the reason why commercial, to, commercial conversions and commercial to residential is so popular um, and so much interest is the rewards are so extensive if you follow the rules. There is a degree of complexity, and Nigel and I don't shy away from that, But we've evolved and created a a model and a set of techniques which are able to manage the risk. So we have conditionality in our offers. We structure things effectively. And we're always looking at this circular economy of our funds. We've got our various businesses. We have our SaaS. We're looking at how we want to be remunerated and and compensated for, for, for the effort. Do we want to create income? Do we want to create... Uh, you know, through salary or through dividends, uh, how do we do pension contributions? How do we how do we minimise the impact of tax? Because tax is a great thing to pay; it's brilliant, it's a contribution to society, but only once you've been through the rule book. So, you know, tax is one of those things that will really, um, you know, erode from a compounding perspective. So everything is as tight as tax-efficient, and if you're then in the very best place you can be. Then you can start really creating that shared value and giving back um, to uh, to society, and uh, and I think that's why you know many of our mentees um, they're just making such great impact. So um, we have got a offer at the moment um, for mentorship. So if you're interested in really turbocharging your journey, book a call. I've just put a link in the chat box for those of you on the podcast live. Um got an offer until the 12th of July, but also go to www.equacademy.co.uk and you'll see all about our mentorship there. And it's great to see all these strategies um, coming together and seeing the different variations and themes on how they're structured, Nigel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the way we do it alters from case by case, development by development, We've just secured another development, haven't we? Just over 10 million GDV, which is a bit of a, a whoop whoop moment. Uh, we always enjoy those. It is, it is. And you know, fun fond, funly um
1: reflect on kind of how we got to how we got to that journey as well. So we, you know, we we were looking at a particular site and um it really only interested in the residential part of the site. It was in it was kind of in two. Um, there was a commercial part and a residential part. So initially we just thought, well, we just we just want to buy something where we can build some houses and, you know, refinance and rent them out, really, um, with not a lot of um, focus on the commercial part, which was a, a business centre for kind of 4,500 square foot, um, on a plot of land, got planning permission, the whole thing. So there we go. And um, we... <laughs> We were doing our uh, kind of, as you do, end of year considerations around company pension contributions. Um, within our pension, there's four trustees, um, all all very integrated into our you know, various businesses. Um, so as we all know, we can do kind of a £40,000 um, know, company pension contribution every year. And it was kind of that time of year. So that was like quite a lot of money, you know, £160,000 going into the pension. And it was like well that's brilliant because obviously it you know raises the cost of the company it it it, it deals with the corporation tax very efficiently as well because you raise the cost so your profits have, have dropped so that's really tick tick uh, it's into your pension so you're in a tax-free environment at that point point. and then what what are we going to do with this money because now we've got a situation where it's it's sat in a bank account doing absolutely nothing and um, the kind of thing is connected, didn't they, Mark? We thought, oh, well, actually, why don't we buy that commercial property? <laughs> that that you know that commercial interest that's tagged onto the the residential interest that we're already going through a negotiation on, because then we can own the whole site, opposed to own part of the site and and have the fear of somebody else owning the other bit and having conflict and those sorts of things. And that's essentially what we did, Mark, wasn't it? We uh, kind of connected all the dots together. And, you know, with those funds, we did the loan back, uh, took security on that on that plot, uh, did a loan back, um, used the money to, you know, to buy the asset, which was great, which is uh, going to be developed over the next kind of 12 months. And, um, you know, so it's, it's kind of a win, 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 win. And, and also to boot the... The proceeds of the business centre. So it's if you can, if you just imagine it in your mind's eye, four and a half thousand square foot over two floors. We're going to split it out into kind of ten micro offices. Um, I think you'd all agree. Twenty twenty has driven the the mindset of business owners more into a more a micro level, more than macro level. So you know we're we're hoping to rent these offices out to, to local people. Um, just want to get out the the home office and you know meet colleagues, et cetera. And the proceeds of that, we intend to put back into the pension. So it's just quite a nice little circle. And, and to boot, you know, in terms of the, the loan back itself, um, you know, we know guidelines are 1% over kind of the average base rate uh, calculated in a certain way. Um, but the proceeds of that, even the interest, doesn't go to a third party, it goes back into our pension. So it's all... It's that circular economy as you mentioned? Markets so important, and if you can stitch all that together, you know it just becomes like a self-perpetuating engine, really, doesn't it? it just keeps moving around, moving around, and contributing, and and you go again. So it's
0: uh, yeah, it's great. Really exactly. And 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 the double compounding here is if if you then put a commercial conversion, a commercial to residential strategy. In that self-contained economy as well, that is, bar none, the strategy that will add the most amount of wedge of equity in in, in any property strategy, apart from land new build. So, you know, land new build and commercial to residential commercials, which is what we do. You know, we we, we don't really go out there and buy buy buy-to-lets. What we do is go out there and we create buy-to-lets because we hold an awful lot of the stock that we create. And we do that through land development and commercial to residential conversions. And if that's something that you're interested in, then that is a great dynamic strategy that will add incredible value to your multi-generational legacy. And that's what this is about for us. It's about creating that that security, that assurance, that bomb-proof cash flow in your life that enables you to look after the ones you love, put tea on the table, but then start to also create the exciting stuff. And that's living the the live legacy, the custodianship, the nurturing of the next generation. Of which many of our youngsters work in the in the business. Well, they're not so young now, are they, Nigel? They they work in the business, and you know they'll. That's the baton change is already happening. It might take ten years, might take twenty, but you know that's something that we really relish and uh, and enjoy. Yeah, we do, and you know
1: we, we we saw it as a huge responsibility, didn't we, Mark? You know way back when, you know, when all the business was, were being created, it's, it's all right dealing with the today, but you've got to think about the tomorrow as well, because if you, you know, if you haven't had the ability to, to bring that second layer in that can kind of take over and, you know, and our thing's all about families, isn't it? Um, you know, so we we wanted family members in there to, uh, to kind of take over when we no longer want, want to be carrying on. Um, but yeah, it's great, and it's that it's that passive approach to education as well that we particularly like. Um, you know, we don't tend to sit our kids down with a, a pad and a, a pen and lecture them on this, that, and the other. You know, we we prefer to have them side by side with us, being immersed in the business and you know dealing with the day to day and the anxiety and the, sometimes the the pressures that come and the. The, the joyous occasions and be just part of that. And that stuff you just cannot teach, <laughs> you know, it's that resilience, isn't it? And and what have you. And, um, you yeah, know, well, we're both very proud that we've, we've got family members uh, in the business to, uh, to carry on what will be multi-generational legacy. So it's great.
0: Absolutely. And they're, they're learning those, those skills and remember those three core skills that, You know, we're we're asking all of our mentees to perfect and we're helping and supporting them. If If you can live a life of service by finding great deals, analyzing and structuring great deals, and also attracting private investment, those three things, then you'll have the keys to the kingdom. And that's what we enjoy seeing on all of our monthly group sessions with our mentees and the one-to-one calls that we have. And incidentally, we do have bespoke one-to-one calls every one of our mentees with either Nigel or myself every month, sometimes more frequently than that. So we see it firsthand the real change uh, and and difference. And in fact, two people this month, uh, Nigel, two of our mentees have actually left uh, their day jobs left careers of well in excess of a decade and i'm just kind of filled with pride of the courage that they've they've created they've built a plan they've worked that plan through sometimes many many months even a year or more and they've actually achieved that goal and uh yeah they're taking on that responsibility so uh you yeah, know some through commercial to residential conversions some through building businesses um, but Exciting times. Love to live that life. It's brilliant. Yeah. I
1: mean, that's just, you know, and, and that's what we do for Mark, isn't it? To see those sorts of amazing things happen to people. And, you know, numerous examples of um, other mentees that have secured new deals and and going through the next phase, you know, finding finding the opportunities, you know, is is a journey. Finding the that the money side of things, you know, is a journey. But you have to start somewhere, don't you? And you start with it and you just gain momentum and away you go. And I think that's, the, that's probably the message. You know, you're quite right. The deal flow and the, you know, the private capital side of things have to kind of work in a harmonious unity there, just flowing all the time. The, the danger is, I think, working on the deals deal arrives and then you start the private capital can can be a bit problematic so they have to be working in unison for sure almost like if anybody knows uh, motor engineering it's all like, like a clutch plate really so when you put your foot on the clutch and let it go it comes together so they seamlessly come together those processes then you've got your deal and your funding and away you go but uh, yeah it's it's i'm, I'm hugely proud of uh, you know, many of our mentees, if not all of them, and, you know, they're all trying, they're, they're really putting the passion, the effort, and just doing something different. Because, um, as you say, if you, you know, if you do the same again, you've got the same tomorrow, won't you? And, you know, that's, yeah. and they're just just, just breaking that, uh, that situation up. So it's it's really good.
0: Brilliant. Well, there's a, there's a, a great summary and some real detailed tips there um, for commercial to residential and also how a SaaS can interact, whether that be funding, enabling, uh, acquiring, developing, uh, and some of the pitfalls that you need to steer clear of as well. So uh, on behalf of Nigel and I, thank you so much for listening for the latest episode of Property Portfolio Podcast. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equaacademy.co.uk. And we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.